The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These podcasts are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician. I'm not seeing a patient who's Asian. I'm not seeing a patient who is Hispanic. I'm not seeing a patient who is of African descent. And it may not necessarily hit you. And a lot of the times you aren't seeing them is because of the fact that they can't get to the door either because they can't afford your services or because uh, there is a stigma in their community for infertility services. Reproductive medicine has a diversity problem with its patients and its practitioners. We'll talk about it today on the podcast. Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Recently, ASRM created a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force. I sat down with the chair of that effort, Dr. Michael Thomas, and started our conversation by asking him about the genesis of the task force. The ASRM task force on diversity, equity, inclusion came out of a suggestion by both Dr. Catherine Rakowski, the president of ASRM, and Dr. Ricardo Aziz, who's the CEO and executive director of ASRM. What is the task force charged with? To come up with a way to basically do two things. One is to enhance the opportunities and support uh, diversity, equity, inclusion in our profession. So trying to get positions of color and physicians who are in our LGBTQ plus community to think of reproductive health as a job opportunity, uh, as a reproductive endocrinologist or in the uh, contraception field or something related to any field that's related to reproduction. The second charge was to reduce and eventually eliminate the health disparities in access and outcomes when it comes to reproductive care, because there are a lot of women who are of color who don't have the opportunity or don't see the opportunities there for them to start a family. But that also crosses over into our LGBTQ plus community, as well as single women. The biggest problem we have sometimes is that the definition of infertility that we have is uh, sort of focused at the heterosexual couple uh, and and sometimes focused on people who have the means. And sometimes our, our women of color, whether they are, are Hispanic or Asian or African-American, may not have the wherewithal to pay for a fertility treatment cycle or may not have the insurance coverage. There are only a handful of uh, mandated states in the country that allow fertility treatment. A lot of insurance this will allow for diagnostics, so try to figure out why you can't get pregnant, but then they don't pay for you to be able to get pregnant. And in some cases, our definitions are so rigorous. For example, the definition of infertility, if you are under the age of 35 uh, with regular cycles, is one year of trying to get pregnant. But if you're in a same-sex relationship or if you're single women, that type of definition doesn't cover your issues with trying to start a family. So then the chances are being somewhat restrictive for those couples just because they're in love with someone of the same sex, or or if a person is a single person who is decided by choice uh, to try to get pregnant, the insurance that you have may not allow you uh, to do what all your other cohorts are doing in, in your office setting. What is the importance of having this drive now for diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, I, I think the reason that this 
drive for diversity, equity, inclusion is important because we don't necessarily see it as a problem. If I'm in my office and I see a bunch of patients, I don't necessarily realize that I'm not seeing any patients uh, of color. I'm not seeing a patient who's Asian. I'm not seeing a patient who is Hispanic. I'm not seeing a patient who is of African descent. And it may not necessarily hit you. And a lot of the times you aren't seeing them is because of the fact that they can't get to the door, either because they can't afford your services or because uh, there is a stigma in their community for infertility services or because uh, there may be other circumstances that not that may not allow them to come and see you. What are those other circumstances? A lot of it is for affordability, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and I think that we need to work with our insurance companies, work with our legislators, and work with organizations that sometimes will have funding uh, for couples to go through fertility services. For example, in Cincinnati, we have a program called the Gordon Gifts of Life Program, which is a program that helps start with a benefactor by the name of uh, Madeline Gordon. And she continues that today. And we are uh, getting toward uh, 80 babies born in that program. That's pretty phenomenal uh, over the last 20 years or so. Uh, but those funds help to decrease the monies that people have to pay out of pocket. It's a fraction of the cost, basically a third of the cost for an IVF cycle. And most cities don't have that. I know that Dr. E. Feinberg in Chicago is also in charge of a similar program around the city of Chicago where they try to decrease costs. What then is your role with this task force? My role is the chair of the ASRM Task Force on Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, is to put all the stakeholders together. We have nurses, we have physicians, we have card-carrying diversity, equity, and inclusion people, and we have just a group of people who are coming together for this cause, and my role is to get them on point. And based here on what you're saying, too, that education basically fuels and social change all goes together. How will this task force get this information out? Well, I think we're going to write a task force deliverable. We're going to write a task force paper that will uh, talk about the problem and get to some solutions. And I think that will probably be published through the ASRM website. I hope we can get more of our deliverables out in patient education materials to let people know that there is this barrier to care. There are issues with trying to get more uh, people of color into the field. But I think that the way this task force will work is to work on looking at the problem and, and try to find solutions and then trying to express what those problems and solutions are. And then it'll be up to us as an ASRM membership to try to get the word out and break down the barriers and increase the number of people uh, uh, people of color to represent our field. I think that this task force has two very focused goals to look at and to discuss and to come up with a plan for. And uh, we will present that and come out with a paper so that people know what the problems are and what the solutions could be. You know, this is the first time we've done this in ASRM to take a problem like this and to really look at it under the microscope and put out a lot of information to physicians we put out a lot of information to our healthcare professionals and our lab personnel and our nursing personnel, but we've never tackled a, a problem like this, a racial issue 
ethnic issue, sexual gender issue that may sort of permeate all that we do in our field. And I think that's what we're trying to tackle, at least to look at it and to potentially come up with solutions uh, for it. How can the pipeline to a career in reproductive medicine expand to get more professionals of color in the field? We need to figure out how we can get more diversity overall in our membership. And that may mean having sessions in high schools or middle schools to get people interested in our field, not just in medical school. It may be too late. I know I became interested in the field as a medical student. I did a rotation. I didn't even know what reproductive endocrine fertility was. And they were, I wanted four weeks of OBGYN and they gave me two weeks of OBGYN and two weeks of some fertility thing. And during those two weeks, I fell in love with this profession. I didn't even know it existed. And I have been, uh, I focused my uh, residency on being a reproductive endocrinologist. I focused my fellowship and luckily had a great mentor, Dr. Bob Rebar, who's a former executive director of ASRM. Uh, uh, I had a mentor who helped guide me through this field and helped me get to where I am today. And uh, I was able to be in uh, uh, rooms where things were discussed and I had a voice in what happened, particularly at my institution and within ASRM. And a lot of people don't have those opportunities. A lot of people don't have the mentorship. A lot of people don't have the ability to get into the field. And I don't know what our final document will look like, but I hope it'll come up with ways to try to break down those barriers and increase the number of people in our profession who can continue to help uh, our patient population. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us today to talk about this very important and groundbreaking task force. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That was Dr. Michael Thomas, chair of the new ASRM Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and until next time, this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, other information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org.